Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each week, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guests all have a unique perspective or expertise related to these areas. The goal of our podcast is to provide information to our listeners about new and existing applications of these rapidly emerging spaces. I'm joined by my co-host, Micah, also from Bitcoin Taxes. Hello. Hey, Micah. And I'm also joined by our guest today, Tim Doyle. Tim is a chartered accountant from New Zealand who specializes in crypto taxation. Tim, thank you for being here. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast today. Of course. And Tim, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been an accountant for the past 10 years. Um, I've been a chartered accountant since 2014. Previously, I've worked in London for some international tax work and corporate finance before returning to New Zealand about three years ago now. And in the past 18 months to two years, I've been specializing in cryptocurrency taxation. So that's a little bit about me. (laughs) Very cool. And how did you get involved in cryptocurrency? Yeah, so I first uh, started to buy Bitcoin in early 2017, right before, well, well, about six months before the sort of peak in prices. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I really did nothing. And on advice from a few of my friends, and then as the price started to go on some rapid increases, I started to make some money, um, traded lots of different coins myself, was involved in quite a few number of exchanges. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, hang on, I'm making some good money here myself. What are actually the tax obligations that I'm required to meet? So that's when it sort of hit me and thought, hmm, okay, there must be other people like me that that have made some money in cryptocurrency and, and have some sort of tax obligation. Of course, in hindsight, it would have been a lot better and more financial um a better result for me if I simply held Bitcoin and cashed out and avoided paying the multiple exchange fees and, and having the tax nightmare of having to unravel every single individual trade. But uh, that, that was the outcome of it at the time. Right. Yeah, I imagine it's quite painful. And that's why we're trying to globalize our software to make sure it works for every single cryptocurrency trader um, from any country, any level of trading, you know, small traders, big traders. So we're doing yeah. whatever we can to make sure it works for everybody. Yeah, and, and that, that's fantastic. And, and if something like that can exist, then it can definitely save people a lot of time and a lot of headaches from, from that donkey administration work, which, <laughs> let's face it, not even accountants like. <laughs> right. So can you talk a little bit about how cryptocurrency is treated in New Zealand specifically? Yeah, so New Zealand, in some cases, it's quite limited And it can be difficult to provide absolute advice from the IRD, which is the equivalent of the United States IRS. Mm -hmm. They have released some cryptocurrency advice, a one page document back in 31 March 2018. But when you talk to them, their underlying tone is that it's business as usual. So therefore, cryptocurrency is taxed as if it meets existing legislation under the Income Tax Act. Um, they have announced in, in that document back in March 2018 that their default position is that cryptocurrency is treated like gold. And, and gold, by default, is, is taxable when you, when you sell it and the gains are treated as, as income. And the reason for that is because when you hold gold or when you hold a coin such as or a token such as bitcoin you don't actually have any tangible benefit of holding it it's not actually doing something for you it's not like a car that provides you with um, transport it's not like a clothing that provides you 
with comfort. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's why the, the IRD have, have decided to, their default position for be that cryptocurrency will, will be taxable. So when we apply that to the situation of, of cryptocurrency in general, it's very easy to trade a lot of different tokens on a computer and the tax treatment can be quite complex because it depends on the specific individual's activity and also the specific tokens that they're trading. So even though two people might buy one particular token, what they do with it individually will result normally in a different taxable outcome for them. So it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all approach as well. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a high-level overview if you want to dive into any of the, uh, the details around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me let me ask you for some clarification. You said different types of coins. So now, do you mean the difference between like Bitcoin and Ethereum, or do you mean the difference between like an ICO and an STO? Those types of tokens, like the utility tokens and the different types of tokens. Yeah, yeah. So so if you look at it, um, the IRD. Well, quite funny, you should ask. The, the IRD at the moment has just released an issues paper, and that's in a draft format. And that got quite into some nitty gritty detail around different types of tokens, such as um, the, those tokens that are intrinsic value tokens. Mm -hmm. So that would be like your Bitcoin or Zcash that, that uh, effectively are a cash-based token. They, they don't provide any utility. And then in that paper, they also touch on different types of tokens, such as utility-based tokens or asset-based tokens or the security-based tokens. But ironically, after some meetings that we've just had with them, it sounds as if though, although they've invested some significant time and effort into developing this paper, that they're actually going to ask, put to the commissioner of inland revenue, uh, an exemption that cryptocurrency would be exempt from the financial arrangement rules, which would make life simpler. Um, but if, if you go back to your question was that, how do different taxpayers have different um, taxable treatment depending on the different types of tokens. I think there is a strong argument that if people have, say, uh, tokens that are crypto-backed loans, such as the security-based tokens, then they are involved in financial arrangements. Um, and that's when they buy something today, and in the future, they're gonna receive a different value from what they're purchasing it today from. So that's one example of how um, a different token would be taxed differently. If we then look at different individuals, some individuals might say buy NEO with the purpose to receive gas from. So, so gas, if you hold NEO, you receive gas. Now there's an argument there that if you're holding NEO, that that coin hasn't been purchased with the intention of disposal. It's been purchased with the intention to earn revenue from the gas tokens. So in that case, there's an argument that the actual NEO tokens could be held on what's called capital account, and therefore the disposal of NEO could be non-taxable. Is this official? Is this, how does this work? Now, if somebody goes under this advice that their NEO may not be taxable, how will the IRD see that? Will they treat all cases the same? Yeah. Or? No, they're not going to, because it's what you do with that NEO. Whereas I, if I bought NEO and I traded it back and forth a hundred times, then I'm clearly not buying NEO to receive gas, I'm buying NEO as a trader. Mm -hmm. And therefore I'm captured under the trading tax rules the same way as a share trader would be taxed under the share trading rules. Is Whereas there just a number of trades? Like one, if you trade NEO once and then that's the only time you trade it, is that still considered you're, you're trading NEO for, for monetary gain or 
does it take a great certain amount of trades? <laughs> yeah, great question. It's a largely subjective question. So it doesn't go necessarily on the number of trades, but it's a co collaborative view of number of trades, what's your intention, what's the effort and time involved in, in, in conducting those trades. The question really comes down to, are you, what's your intention with those coins and has your activity that you've done matched that intention? So for some taxpayers, that could be, I simply buy it, I hang on to it for five years, and then I sell it. In that situation, there might be a strong argument that, um, that the coin's on capital account. But as soon as you buy something and then six months later you change your mind to then sell it and then you rebuy it, then in that situation you've got the activity of a trader and that's where it would come under revenue account property or, or income. So there must be a lot of IRD employees that really have to do their, uh, do their homework on you know, individuals <laughs> that have done trading because that's a lot you know, to look into. Yeah. So funny you say that because what we've just seen in Australia is the ATO or, or the Australian Tax Office, mm -hmm. they've gone to exchanges and they have asked for details of, um, for, from cryptocurrency exchanges of, of people who have purchased and sold crypto. And then I imagine that they're going back to those individuals' tax returns and seeing if what they've, um, their activity on the exchange matches up to what's happened in their tax return. Now, I, I don't know of any situations of that happening yet in New Zealand, but bear in mind we have a five-year clawback period, or, or in the case of nothing's been done, um, an infinite clawback period where, where the IRD can come knocking on your door if you've never filed a tax return for this. So that, there's every possibility that that could happen. But on a more localized level in New Zealand, the IRD has just done a $1.9 billion upgrade of their IT services. Hmm. Um, so you could, that's a pretty big um, cost for someone in New Zealand, for an organization in New Zealand. So you can probably imagine that their resources are very strained implementing a massive $1.9 billion upgrade of the tax system. They've also taken on 300 call staff, but it's as worse as it's ever been trying to call the IRD at the moment. And, and compounded with this, in the past nine months, we've just had a, a Labour government um, undertake a tax working group to discuss and, and decide if a capital gains tax should be implemented in New Zealand. So these sort of factors, although they fit outside of cryptocurrency taxes, they've... Um, and they've really consumed a lot of the IRD resources. And, and even in conjunction with that, we've seen the two people that we previously dealt with a year ago, one of them since left IRD, and the other one's gone on maternity leave. So there's been a lot of change and a lot of resources consuming the IRD in New Zealand at the moment. So I think that's why we're yet to see some of these issues really and certainty come to light. Hmm. It's funny because it seems like no matter how many differences there are between our country, your country, other countries in crypto taxation, everything seems very similar. Like Coinbase, <laughs> uh, the IRS has asked Coinbase for their records of crypto users. And we only have one official form from the IRS essentially on crypto taxation. So it just yep. seems like everywhere is cracking down and everywhere doesn't have very much official guidance from the government yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we've read into the situation, well, our firm's read into the situation as well. The, the other thing to note, I don't know if this is the same in, the, in, in America, but in New Zealand, you don't actually tick a box saying that you're involved in cryptocurrency taxes on your tax return. It's not like the IRD get that information. At the end of the day, they just get a number of how much money, what's your income or what's your loss. That's the only 
tangible sort of information that they receive. It's then up to them to ask us as the tax agent or the client what actually, how has this income derived? And um, I'm sure some of your later questions will get into um, a few more details and specifics about that. Tim, I know there is some debate about whether crypto is subject to a goods and service tax. Is crypto subject to a capital gains tax? I know you kind of mentioned that they're talking about implementing one and or a yeah. goods and service. Yeah, so, so currently there's no capital gains tax in New Zealand. Um, I think we're the only country in the OECD that doesn't have a capital gains tax. And, and that's what this recent tax working group uh, their, their, their job, if you like, was to decide should a capital gains tax be implemented in New Zealand. And although I think the outcome of that was that they did suggest a capital gains tax, the Labour government has actually done a 180 U-turn on that and say, no, we're not going to do this. So a little bit of politics there thrown in the mix. Um, the, the application to that to crypto is quite small because as we've outlined previously, the IRD's default position is that, cap, uh, is that cryptocurrency is acquired with the position to ultimately dispose of it and therefore the gains and losses are taxable. So even if there was a capital gains tax, in most situations, crypto would, would sit outside of that anyway. Um, and in regards to GST, again, another great question, which we don't have any specific answers to at the moment. Uh, and, and it is frustrating when you're trying to provide tax advice to, to particularly to, to cryptocurrency businesses or those businesses just accepting cryptocurrency. Um, what, what is the GST position? From a very strict interpretation of the Goods and Services Tax Act, uh, it would appear that, that crypto is included in the GST Act, um, and therefore there should be GST on it. However, based on our discussions with the IRD, it seems, it seems as if there's actually some GST exemption ahead of the, in front of the commissioner at the moment. It's just that we haven't yet heard the outcome of that policy. But in all of our discussions with the IRD so far, they've been relatively relaxed about the GST question, and that's why I've got that opinion that there must be something happening behind the scenes at the moment. I know in the US, um, there aren't a lot of official documents, um, a lot of official policies regarding crypto. It seems to be the same across the board. Do you feel like it's the same in New Zealand or has the IRD given sufficient guidelines for you to kind of help your um, clients? No, I, I think we're in exactly the same position as what you are just, just and what I've read um, as well with other countries. There's a lot of applying existing legislation to cryptocurrency taxes and in some ways just the connection. It's almost try, like you're trying to fit a Lego uh, sorry, a, a puzzle piece into a puzzle and it just doesn't quite fit in that puzzle piece. Um, that, that's what it kind of feels like in some situations. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Tim, I'm curious. So let's say I bought a Bitcoin for $500 and then a month later I sold yep. it for $1,000. In the States, we would be taxed on that $500 capital gain. You made $500 in profit, you bought it for 500, sold it for 1,000, made 500 profit. How would, how would that transaction be handled in New Zealand? Slight different terminology, but exactly the same. The $500 profit would just be um, income. It wouldn't be capital gain because we don't have a capital gains tax. So mm -hmm. it would just be called income. It would just and be because, added to your income. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then taxed as part of the rest of your income as well. Absolutely the same. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So if somebody holds stock and trades stock, again, just taxes income? 
crypto, if you if the crypto was owned in a company structure and that company was a trader, it would be exactly the same. You, you'd total up all of the purchases and sales of the cryptocurrency. At the end of the year, you'd you'd have obviously your, your profit, and then you'd also have a, a closing stock valuation of, of the closing tokens that are held at the end of the year. And there's different accounting methods for that valuation depending on if the company is trading or if the company is not trading, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the, if the company's a trading company, um, at the moment we record the closing stock at the lower of cost, which is what the taxpayer bought it for, and net realizable value. So say, um, so, say in your situation, um, client bought Bitcoin for $500, they sold half of it for $1,000. So therefore, they've got $250 of their original cost price still on hand. Mm-hmm. That would be the closing value of the Bitcoin. Um, so, so that would be for a trader. And then you've got just people who buy and hold. In their situation, they don't get the benefit of writing down the stock to net realizable value. Theirs is just recorded at cost. So the outcome of that is that you're a trader um, you get the benefit of writing down unrealized losses at the end of the year. But if you're not trading, you just have to record your closing stock at cost price. So from what I've read and understand, mining crypto is treated a little bit differently in New Zealand. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when you mine crypto, that's the, that when you receive or when your wallet has the coins deposited into it, that's the taxable event. So say, let's for argument's sake, you you mine one Ethereum and you receive that Ethereum in your wallet, that's when the income is performed. So that one Ethereum at say a market price of $250, that becomes income on that particular day that you earn it. Of course, like normal business, you're allowed a deduction for your expenses, which might be the the power to run the mining rigs, or it could be the depreciation on, on, on the mining rigs themselves. Once you've then got that one Ethereum, it then, be, then gets transferred over to, um, to, to your trading stock. So the second taxable activity then happens when you ultimately dispose of that Ethereum. So the $250 price that you acquired it for, that's already comes in as income. It then becomes your holding cost for that Ethereum. So if you dispose it for more than 250, say you disposed it for 300, you'd have $50 extra taxable income. Likewise, if you disposed it for less than what you paid for it or what you acquired it for, $250, that, that difference would be tax deductible. Now, I have a question. In the States, certain people like to claim a zero cost basis. I mean, it's not typical with mining, but for airdrops, for example, they'll claim a zero cost basis. Now, in reality, you're ending up paying pretty much the same amount. You're just basically deferring the amount you're going to pay until yeah. you sell it if you claim a zero cost basis. But is that something that occurs in New Zealand as well, uh, claiming a zero cost basis as opposed to fair market value? Uh, not so, not so much being claimed. It would only really apply if, if one, you received uh, an airdrop like you second, like you said, or secondly, some sort of forked coin. And those situations would normally account for them as being acquired with a zero cost basis because when you acquire them, that that forked coin has no. Uh, value or no market value therefore you've acquired it at zero cost that would be the only other situation we'd see that apply yeah it's pretty similar here so tim in 2017 we saw record crypto prices 2018 was a year of record losses how has this affected your clients 
Yeah, great question. So I think that New Zealand has slightly different dates. So just looking at the dates, uh, we work on a 31 March balance date. So to 31 March 2018, that, that year included the, the significant increase in cryptocurrency price, prices. So we had a, quite, a, quite a large number of taxpayers in excesses of a, a million dollars taxable income. So, so they had significant tax liabilities, which incurred what's, what's called use of money interest, which is when the IRD charge you interest on underpaid tax. And then in the 2019 year, they've since got losses so there's no way to offset a loss against a past year income. And in these situations, and some, for some clients, we've actually seen the value of their portfolio decrease to less than what the tax amount is due. Okay. So if you imagine you had a $200,000 portfolio of cryptocurrency and your tax liability might have been $66,000. Now, what's happened is that after the tax liability was incurred, their portfolio has since dropped to below $66,000 being the tax amount. Therefore, they're in a situation where they cannot afford to pay their tax even if they were to liquidate their entire portfolio. So it's been quite difficult to explain some of those situations to the IRD, particularly with some of their non-crypto um, people that work there or just who, who don't necessarily understand um, the nature of cryptocurrency. So in those situations, we have applied to the IRD for tax write-offs and in some rare situations concerning other situations about particular taxpayers, um, they've actually written off the tax. In some cases, it's been as much as $35,000 or $40,000. In these situations, um, the taxpayer was actually in financial hardship. They didn't have any other income from other sources or any other assets outside of the cryptocurrency. So, so that's sort of some of the issues that we're facing at the moment. The other issue that we're facing is that the IRD in New Zealand, if you've got tax to pay, they have strict deadlines and they expect you to pay it straight away. In this 2019 financial year, we're starting to see losses based on current market conditions. And in some situations, taxpayers are due significant tax refunds. And we're expecting those to be delayed just because of the magnitude of the refunds. We yet to see this on a practical level because we're just starting to file 2019 tax returns now. Um, but we do expect the IRD to come to us and ask, hey, what's this loss that you've got in your tax return? How is it derived? Can you provide further information before we release the tax refund? So that's just something to be aware of if, if individuals are claiming losses in their tax returns to make sure that they have all of their T's crossed and their I's dotted um, and, and able to provide that information to the IRD to get their tax refunds released for the 2019 year if they've had losses. And I, I think that's always important to have. Always have your records. Always have, if you use Bitcoin taxes, for example, to calculate your capital gains or your, your losses, uh, make sure you keep all of that. Keep everything from the exchanges, all of your files. It's always important to have that information in case you need to go back and make a claim or you are audited. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, perfect. So do you have any tax advice for crypto investors in New Zealand? Yeah, I, I guess some of the tax advice that I've got is no different from some of the other guests that have been on your podcast. I, I think the first and most important is for individuals and taxpayers to have a strategy to know what they're doing in crypto, whether they want to buy and hold, and therefore the tax that applies to them, the tax treatment that applies to them in that situation. So are you a buyer and a holder? Are you a trader? 
Are you holding coins on capital account to receive rewards? Do the financial arrangement tax rules apply to you? So understand your strategy in terms of where you as, a, as an individual involved in cryptocurrency, what you're doing and what tax treatment applies to you. So, so that's all to do with what I've classified here as strategy. Um, the, the second one is to understand the tax treatment of your strategy, um, kind of touched on that. So for example, traders can claim expenses um, in, in their tax return to offset their gains. If you're just buying and holding cryptocurrency, then you can't claim any expenses. Um, understand that provision, how provisional tax and just general sort of taxes work in New Zealand. When are those provisional tax dates due? When do they kick in? How much income have you made? Does use of money interest apply to you? Everyone's going to have unique situation and based on how much, how much investment they've put into cryptocurrency and what their other income is and, and their own individual specific situation. So to understand the tax um, calculations as a whole and how they work to each individual's situation, I, I think is incredibly important. Um, I've also got on my list here expenses, so understand what expenses can be claimed, what's deductible. Um, another one here, understand your cash flow. So when are those due dates of tax um, due for payment to the IRD? And have you got enough, how are you going to fund them? Are you going to cash out cryptocurrency, which is going to result in another taxable activity? Or are they going to be funded by um, cash flow from, from a nine to five job or somewhere else? I'm not a financial advisor. I don't play one on the internet. I'm not a forecaster, but have a have understand how the market can um, affect your holdings. In certain situations, after 2018, we advised the, our, some of our clients that they had some significant tax liabilities, and we said that there's a risk that if you don't pay this now, the, the, the value of your portfolio is going to drop um, or, or increase, of course. Um, but this tax liability is going to stay and it's not going to be a go away. It's going to be due in New Zealand fiat. So I, I guess that's um, just just understand how the tax works and, and when those and that there's market fluctuations and just understand the risk involved with cryptocurrency and the price fluctuations too. Right. And if somebody doesn't have a, a full comprehensive understanding, they can seek out your advice. I mean, they can hire you as somebody that can help them with this sort of thing, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess what we do is we take all of our clients' information. Um, we, we use Bitcoin taxes um, and, and some of our own developed um, software. And, and, and we take all of their raw information directly from their exchanges and we, we present to them, um, do all the calculations and present to them what their taxable position is. And then we discuss it with them. We go through their tax obligations. We ensure that we deduct every expense that they're entitled to to do so and then we give them some individual specific tax advice based on their situation and circumstances right so anybody that is doing a good amount of crypto trading if they haven't done their own homework they would be wise to hire somebody like you who clearly knows what they're talking about when it comes to cryptocurrency and taxation in my opinion yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you mentioned some dates. Can you tell us for most crypto filers, what is the date that their taxes must be submitted by? Yeah. So in New Zealand, the end of the current financial year was the 31st of March, 2019. Mm -hmm. So if you have a tax agent, 
um, you, you get an extension of time to file that return to the 31st of March 2020. So that's another benefit of using a, a chartered accountant or a tax agent. If you do it yourself, you get to the 7th of July 2019. So there's quite a big discrepancy and you get quite a lot of extra time should you decide to use a tax agent um, rather than do it yourself. Yeah, really. Wow. Interesting. And no money would be due until March 31st, 2020, if you do have a uh, chartered accountant then? Yeah. So if you use a tax agent, the, the payment date for the tax is actually 7th of April, 2020. Whereas if you do it yourself, again, it's due the 7th of February, 2020. So you do get the time value benefit of a couple of um, extra months there. But that, that it does depend on what actually is your uh, tax liability. Um, I don't think in the 2019 year we will see many situations where tax paper, taxpayers have large profits that puts them into provisional tax obligations and use of money interest. But if, should those apply to, to any taxpayer, then definitely get onto it early. Can you also tell us about the IR3 filer form for the individual crypto filer? Does that apply to just individuals or do they have to file it when they're working with a chartered accountant as well. Yeah, so an IR3 is an individual tax return, and that's what both the chartered accountant or us can file on, on the client's behalf. Um, so we prepare all of that and deal directly with the IRD and the tax assessment and the, all the tax planning and tax strategy on the client's behalf. If the client was to do it themselves, they can just go to the Inland Revenue website themselves and file, fill in this, exactly the same form in IR3. Um, the IR3, New Zealand tax residents are taxed on their worldwide income. So that would include um, your employment income, any interest, any dividends, any other business income, in this situation, including cryptocurrency income. So it's exactly the same form for exactly the tax agent and the client, um, just different processing methods on how they're filed in some situations for us through our um, electronic filing system directly with the IRD. Okay, so earlier you had mentioned a couple that wasn't able to pay their tax liability that does happen. I mean, that there, there's some news articles about that happening in the States too, where this guy on yeah. Reddit, he had purchased a bunch, sold a bunch, he made a good amount of money, but then come tax time, he didn't realize he had to pay taxes on it. So his tax liability, he had spent all of the profits he made. So he was yeah. broke. He had no way to pay those taxes. And I don't think they're as forgiving as they are. It sounds like they're a little bit forgiving in New Zealand. I don't think they're as forgiving here in the States. That, yeah, that's... Yeah, that situation was quite extreme. Um, the, the guy, it was husband and wife, and they'd, um, they, they actually didn't have much. Um, so part of that application for financial relief, it's called, includes disclosing all of your last three months bank statements to the IRD. And, and you could clearly see that they're all in overdraft. They've got massive credit card debt. They actually don't have the means to pay the tax. And in those situations, the IRD, and they didn't own any significant assets or any vehicles worth more than three or $4,000 or, or have any other savings or, or a house or anything like that. You said they didn't have any other income. Were they not working or? Correct. They had actually, one of them had left, it. one of them was studying and the other one had left their job to, to trade crypto full time and then couldn't get a job oh. when they, um, and they had two young children. So oh, they, wow. they were in quite tough financial situations and circumstances yeah that's a good reminder to make sure that you always have enough money set aside to pay your crypto tax obligations so recently cryptopia one of the biggest exchanges for new zealand users filed for liquidation meaning that they're shutting down how do 
crypto users, how do crypto traders who use Cryptopia handle that? How do they handle lost coins um, in the exchange? Yeah, well, hopefully not many, uh, not many investors or, or people in, in cryptocurrency are still holding their coins on exchanges after some of the more publicized hacks. But if they did, effectively, they, they've lost or they've had their coins taken away from them. The way that we've accounted for this has been a, a sale for zero value. Mm -hmm. Effectively, they no longer have those coins, so they need to be disposed of, and the value that they've received has been um, zero dollars. In some situations, it's not that different from, say, a retail store, and, and at the end of the year, they do a stock take, and they know that maybe an ex-employee has stolen some shoes, or there's been some theft, or there's been a write-down between what they have on hand and, and, and what's recorded in the book. So th those coins are ultimately disposed at, at zero, zero value. And, and claim the tax write-off in the current year. Interesting. And in the States, it's, uh, it's kind of debatable whether that is, and I've talked to previous accountants about that, it's kind of debatable whether that's allowed or not because that seems to be the right thing to do, the fair thing to do, to sell it for zero. However, in the IRS's eyes, we don't know if that's the same as you know falsifying information because you haven't actually sold them for zero. You haven't actually created that trade. So it's kind of a tricky situation in the US. <laughs> it sounds tricky, but at the same time as the IRS saying that, that coins that you receive for free from airdrops or forks that you have absolutely no control over are still taxable. So yeah. it seems like they're trying it both ways. <laughs> yeah, well, they pretty much removed losses uh, 2018 going forward. There used to be a form you could file for crypto losses, like stolen crypto, crypto hacked. And yeah. you can't really do that anymore moving forward in the States 2018 moving forward. So they're not really looking out for the crypto traders too much right now. Yeah. Well, we've seen quite a few situations where people have been caught up with, I think, quite closely associated with crypto as um, these sort of Ponzi schemes that sometimes pop up or margin trading of, of cryptocurrencies for via bots. And, and nine times out of 10, unfortunately, they relate, they result in losses. Um, at, at which, which are tax deductible um, because the intention is always that to, to make money from them. So it makes sense that if you've got the intention to profit from something that, that would result in taxable income, that the losses would also be tax deductible. But it's just unfortunate from a more moral perspective that, that all of the scams and all of the hacks involved with cryptocurrency and these margin trades and these Ponzi schemes that, that just tend to pop up every now and again these days. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned about people not having their funds on exchanges because that's one of the most common pieces of, it, of advice I'm seeing a lot mm. more recently is to not leave your coins on exchanges, keep them in a wallet, you know, keep them away from the exchanges in case something like this happens. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it makes sense just to download all of your exchange history as a monthly check or a quarterly check, um, because that that's or, or unless you've got the API that goes automatically into Bitcoin taxes. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise with our listeners. Uh, I'm sure a lot of New Zealanders will benefit from the information you shared with us today. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do so? I think the best way to get in touch is just flick me through an email at tim at agbizaccountants, A-G-B-I-Z accountants.co.nz, um, or they're welcome to check me out on LinkedIn or, or Twitter, or I think if you just search um, Google Tim Doyle accountant, um, there, hopefully there's some contact details that pop up. And you're also on our uh, CPA listing as well. So if you search for your name on, our, on the Bitcoin taxes CPA listing, you'll find you listed there as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for future podcasts discussing a range of crypto and blockchain related topics. Tim, thank you. Micah, thank you.